Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Um, Right now, we are in the midst of a uh, global pandemic, and um, education uh, all over the world has been disrupted, and we're going to take some time this week um, doing shows um, every day this week to highlight educators um, and the work that is going on around the globe. Today's focus is going to be in the United States, um, talking about the well-being, the psychological and social emotional uh, well-being of our educators. Um, We have a panel of educators from around the country. And so to our faithful listeners, welcome back and thank you for being a part of our family of over 5,000 listeners uh, each broadcast, and to the new listeners. Uh, we're glad you joined us, um, and we're really happy to have you tuned in. And so um, with this, um, you know, I've, I've been a part of several conversations uh, throughout um, the, the past two weeks, and I'm hearing all kinds of um, feedback from educators from feeling uh, anxiety. Um, I've had a number of people who are feeling concerned about the students that they serve, um, what conditions they're in now, and what conditions they'll be in when they return. Um, but most of all, I hear um, mixed emotions about um, educators um, in their own. Um, you know, this is a disruption not just to the children they serve, but also to what they have dedicated their lives uh, in service to. And so the educators, I have a number of them, and thank you all for being on this panel. We have Juan from Texas, Dave from Connecticut, DeMarco from Louisiana, Anna from California, and Nicole from Connecticut. Thank you, and welcome to everyone. Um, thank so you. I, I just I'll just open it up and see if there's anyone. um, I'll start. I know one, if you don't mind me picking on you, I know your, your school is currently doing some, some um, really great things to help with first responders and doing some work there um, by um, allowing your school to serve as a daycare um, but tell us a little bit about where you are and what um, what what teachers are have have said to you and how they're feeling right now. Yeah. Hey. First of all, thank you first and foremost for having me, Dr. Perkins. Um, so I think for us down here, it kind of just happened all of a sudden, as for everyone else. And one, sorry to interrupt you. I'm gonna one, sorry to interrupt you. I'm gonna have to ask you to speak up just a little bit. It's really faint. Okay. Um, apologize about that. Yeah, it kind of happened real quick, and we were we were first told it just it's going to be a one week type of deal, mm-hmm. and then we were told, well, now you're doing distance learning, and all these emotions mm-hmm. started to come from teachers and the, 
panicking, well, what am I going to do? And questions about finances at home started to arise, questions about their own children started to arise because you also want to ensure that your own children are getting the education they need. Um, and it, it seems like across our district, some, we were not prepared for this, and I don't think any school across the country was prepared to, to take up distance learning. Um, but one of the main things that, that I hear when I talk to educators is that you, they have to take care of themselves first, and it, mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what it comes down to. That's the bottom line. We have to ensure that we're in a very good spot mentally, emotionally, at, mm-hmm. at home, and just doing well to ensure that we're still delivering the best education possible to these kids, even if it's distance learning, and we have to learn new methods um, of instru- new approaches to instruction in order to to deliver that content to kids, um, and that's only going to happen if we're in a good place emotionally. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll jump in. This is Dave from Connecticut. Um, I'm uh, I'm on the school leadership team for uh, Montessori School in Connecticut, um, but I also um, I have both, both of my parents right now um, are experiencing the coronavirus. Um, I've got one brother who moved up from New York City, another brother who is a doctor, and my wife is a nurse practitioner. So I, um, I've got some pretty intimate knowledge um, at this point around how the virus and treatment seem to run its course. Um, and certainly speaking to what one um, was speaking to about my own, my own wellness, um, I've been thinking a great deal about that. But I also have been trying to think through how this is powerful um, for myself as an educator what what reality do I have that's going to help me to take this work really seriously with our students? And what is the work that I'm going to be able to do in terms of relating to students, families, and staff who are undoubtedly also going to have loved ones who are experiencing coronavirus as well? So we're, we're in, 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 in process on a number of these fronts. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. No, this is Nicole, and I agree with... Um, um, Juan and DeMarco in terms of um, we know the impact that it's going to have on the achievement gap, um, but I'm more concerned about the mental health um, disparities that will continue to happen um, and that gap getting bigger. I had a conversation with a teacher today who has a son in another state, and she was saying how he had to already reach out for support because he's already depressed and we're not even in the thick of um, what's going to potentially happen. And so I um, imagine what's happening to our little ones who have very unique challenges to remain isolated in their home, and parents are definitely afraid to allow them to go outside, get some fresh air, or having the capacity to support them within um, their distance learning. Yeah, good morning. This is Anna um, from California. And, you know, right along the same lines with all my colleagues, um, we the one thing I'm, I think, noticing both on this phone call or this uh, podcast, and, and just as I'm reading, you know, uh, people on, on the internet and, and mm-hmm. talking to my colleagues, and, you know, the one thing that we are experiencing is so many similarities as far as our concerns and how, you know, our anxiety is growing and, and, and how we're thinking of our most vulnerable students and, and families and staff. Um, 
But I think the one common uh, denominator here that I'm just so glad to hear about because the first step is to to acknowledge it is that social emotional uh, concern and and uh-huh. focus, not just for our students. Of course, they are the priority. But um, as somebody who supports uh, new administrators and mm-hmm. um, um, you know staff alike, considering how do we support the social emotional needs of our staff, of our parents, mm-hmm. of our communities, mm-hmm. um, how do we do that online? How do, how how do we do any of this online when it's when it's such a new concept to us to do it full time? Um, to do it, you know, more of a structured way than, than maybe before. Um, but how will we do it and, and what resources will we have available for us uh, when we go back, whenever we go right. back? And, and just like my colleagues, right. you know, it's extending as we speak, you know, uh, uh, as we speak, I, I'm, I'm pending an announcement as to the extension of um, our school closures and, you know, as much as we know it's needed, um, we also know that the domino effect and, and the, the pressure that's going to put on our schools when we eventually go back is just going to continue to mount and, and, and complicate. You know, these are mm-hmm. uncharted territories. Uh, but when we come back in May, when have we ever come back in May? <laughs> and right. will we do? And how long will we have to do it? Uh, so you know, lots mm-hmm. of lots of questions. But I'm so thankful for a, an opportunity like this to be able to share and learn and and grow together. Um, because, like I said, when I started, I find that we've had so many more common. Um, needs and uh, responses and solutions than 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 uncommon. So I'm so thankful to to be able to be here and be part of this. Sure. Thank you. And, you know, you raised a really good point about, um, you know, here we are close now to the end of the school year. Um, I was talking to one of my colleagues from New York City who said, I, you know, uh, she said, "I, I feel so bad because there were students that I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, like these are all because these are human relationships, right, mm-hmm. that people are struggling. And I think, you know, one thing is to, to really acknowledge the, the loss that has happened in terms of those relationships. And so people who are listening, I mean, we, you know, I think that's a that's a good place to start is, you know, because we in education often uh, feel that we have to be the strongest and the, you know, we are the ones that have to hold it together. But I think part of that is kind of the acknowledgement of, of what really is happening. Um, and from an emotional perspective um, yourself, what is happening to you before you can deal with other people as well. Right. Uh, I agree with that, Dr. Perkins. So this is uh, DeMarco and I'm, I teach in Austin, Texas, but I'm currently in Louisiana with family. And I think, well, not I think, I know that one of the most difficult aspects of this predicament has been not being able to process fully what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Right before schools began closing, 
we were getting ready to go on spring break. Um, and I just mm-hmm. remember sitting at my desk and saying, you know what, I need to get up and go say bye to my kids before they walk out. And something just told me that I need to say bye. And I didn't, and I just got up and I, you know, just started to tell them bye. And I didn't really get a chance to fully process that moment and what that meant to say goodbye to them um, until I started to look at the news and read more articles about how serious this will get in our country and that, you know, they're saying we might, might not actually happen. We might not be able to go back to school until next, until the next school year. And so what it really makes me think about as an educator and also as an aspiring, uh, aspiring school leader is what is actually necessary for schooling and what is necessary for education. Um, because we're, we're seeing announcements that all of the state standardized tests are being canceled and there are moves to just pass students along into the next grade for the next year. Um, and so once again, I'm thinking, well, what, what is necessary? Are, are standardized tests necessary? Um, what will, and if they aren't necessary, and if we deem that after we come through uh, this predicament, then what will education look like? Um, I'm especially thinking about next year because I do, I work for a charter network, and I know a lot of our funding comes from our progress and, and growth on tests, um, and how our students show that growth on those tests. And I'm wondering how funding will take place and will we actually be able to sustain our building given that we might not receive that funding from those test scores that we were supposed to receive in the summer. Um, But these are just, they feel like ramble thoughts in my brain because I haven't had a moment to process because, and also what comes at the forefront is that I have a lot I teach a, a, a population of, of kids where most of their parents are Spanish speaking. Um, mm. Most of their, their parents are not working jobs where they can take off. Um, I know for a fact, one of my kids, his, his mom is a beautician. And I just remember sitting in my apartment in Austin thinking, what is she going to do? Right. What's going to happen to her? And, and then what's going to happen to him? And I just keep seeing his face smiling and glowing every day um, and just wondering what's going to happen. And I think these, yeah. those questions and that curiosity, um, that wondering gives me a lot of anxiety as an educator, even as I'm building a virtual learning platform for my kids, as I'm building it, I know that it's not equitable. I know that right. all right. of what I'm doing is not going to reach all of my kids. And I've always, since I became an educator, I've always said, I want to reach them all. I have to build a relationship with 100% of them. And so this is really really making me consider, well, what's really important? Did I actually do those things that were really important in my classroom when I had the opportunity to stand in front of them face-to-face? Did I really emphasize what was true to my heart? Am I actually, and if I did do that, will they see that through this virtual learning platform, or am I going to miss the mark with that? Um, mm. And so for me, those are mm. a lot of a lot of my worries. Just how am I going to sure. reach them? How am I going to make sure that they feel my passion and my love for them through that computer screen? Well, you raise a yeah. really, really good point yeah. um, because, uh, and I, I know there are a number of you wanted to jump in, and I just want to say that one of the other 
um, pieces of, uh, or I should say sources of anxiety has been around teachers being told, okay, now go online and do this. And it's like, yes. do what? But, but right. that there, there has right. not been sufficient training to prepare people. It's not that if you were doing six hours of, of education in a classroom, now you just do six hours online. That's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, and that, that I, I can imagine is anxiety inducing. Um, I heard, um, I think uh, there were a couple of others that wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I kind of want to jump in on this one, Dr. Perkins, uh, just because our school, our particular campus here, has some experience with online learning because we use a platform called Summit Learning, and all of our curriculum is housed there. And the original intent when we first deployed this program when the school started was how can we um, ensure that our kids who travel a lot for soccer tournaments take the curriculum Mm. with them while we are still mentoring them and whatnot. Um, and uh, so we were, we were kind of feeling a little bit comfortable, but then also a little bit uneasy because this is the first time it's happening uh, for a certain amount of weeks. Um, and the, what we focus on a lot on that platform is mentoring and ensuring that kids are focusing on cognitive skills um, and the development that that's happening. Now that we know the standardized tests here, at least in Texas, are not going to happen, um, we really want to push those cognitive skills that they develop, but also focus on the mentoring aspect. And we ha- our platform allows us to, um, to ask kids questions. They have a check-in document, and we kind of keep touch with them there. And when they're on soccer trips, we found that it really, it's really beneficial to them that they're able to connect uh, with us through that. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to jump in and say something. Yeah, to Marco, before we were speaking to, like, how does this moment of crisis show us what our priorities are and what really matters? And what my school's been conscious of, I'd say, are, like, three things. One is that things need to be built collaboratively in order for them to work. Two is that we, like, need time to connect as adults. Um, and three is that, like, if we're not trauma-informed, then we're wasting our time. And that's always been true, mm-hmm. but it's especially true yeah. in this moment. Um, and mm-hmm. so... Um, I feel like my principal has been super mindful of, like, let me not tell teachers what to do, but let's work together to build it, like, as a team. We've been organizing time just for, like, staff circles, so, like, virtual Google Hangouts that the only purpose is to, like, see each other and connect and to talk and to check in. Um, And then we're looking into, like, what are the trauma-informed trainings that we should be engaging in as an entire staff, because though this has always been important to us, we know there's a variety of trauma that our families are going to experience, especially during this time having, you know, with um, related to, to economy and to jobs and to health. And, um, and those students will be back with us at some point soon, and we want to be as ready for them as we can be. Yeah, I think, yeah, um, yeah I think that that is a fair point. And I'm, I'm thinking about an experience that I had in high school um, Growing up in Louisiana, you know, hurricanes aren't uncommon. And while I didn't experience Hurricane Katrina, um, I did experience some vicarious trauma through students who were coming into my school. And then, uh, again, in high school, there was a a Hurricane Gustav hit in fall of 2008, and we were out of school for a month um, because the hurricane tore off the roof of our school. And I remember being... 16, 15, 16, and wondering when, you know, when would I go back? And I didn't realize how impactful that experience was until 
as an adult, as an educator, I'm going through it again. And so I wholeheartedly agree that schools should engage, should be deeply embedded at this time in some kind of trauma-informed programming, some kind of trauma-informed care. Because honestly, I think if we're not, then that, that's a gross, uh, you know, missed opportunity and also an irresponsibility mm-hmm. on right. schools if, if we're not. And mind you, I, don't, I think that schools, the purpose of schooling continues to evolve and it, it continues to absorb. And now mm-hmm. this has become one more um, feeler that schools have to absorb now. We, we have to be trauma-informed. It's no longer a buzzword for us. This has to become a livelihood because we're, you know, when we welcome kids back, we're going to be welcoming back kids who mm. uh, some were already struggling with displacement or uh, inconsistency. And now we've, you know, it wasn't our choice, but we've, we've taken school from them. And then when they come back, we have to, we have to adjust and, and figure out what, what did that moment do to them and, and how they view the world and how they view learning and how they view schooling? What did that do sure. to them and what, how are we going to teach through that? Yeah. Sure. Um, I think you've raised uh, some really good points, particularly around trauma-informed um, care and, and instruction. Um, I, you know, I want to uh, ask, you know, Anna, you and I have had several conversations about, um, you know, d- districts having the um, the the will. Um, we've known for a long time a lot of things that we're trying to do now. Um, you know, we've known for a long time that we needed to uh, be prepared for. Um, what do you think will be the kind of the collective will, though, of of yeah. some of our our nation's large districts too? to put this in place. You know, there will be people out there saying, you know, kids missed, you know, two, two months of schooling. And so now you got to make up, you got to make up for that. You're going to have to, you're going to have to catch up where they, they were supposed to be. Uh, there, there's going to be a crowd of people that are out there yep. still talking about that versus mm-hmm. the kind of the social emotional component um, of this. They don't want the touchy feely, as they might say. So, Anna, you know, like I said, you and I have talked about it before. What do you think is going to happen um, when we when we come back and say our teachers need that training that we were telling you before that they needed? Would they they really need it now? What do you think is going to happen? Right. You know, Dr. Perkins, we, we as a team in, in my department, we've been talking about this um, again, because we are, uh, you know, supporting um, on a very exponential level, you know, uh, new and aspiring administrators along with, you know, our colleagues that are at the current administrators, you know, for many years. So it, it doesn't discriminate. Everybody is, is searching for this. But, you know, we talk about the economic impact that this is going to have on small and large school districts, charters and pilots, and no matter what, the impact is going to be felt. And if we, as we have, Dr. Perkins have talked about the lack of of, um, funding and the lack of focus for prioritizing uh, very necessary, essentially necessary um, Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, supports like um, social emotional learning for our teachers, for our administrators, for our students, for our parents. Um, I, I, I think about, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be a realist here, is that, you know, that funding is probably not going to be there. However, the demand mm. is going to be there. And mm-hmm. that's, I, I believe we have begun to address this. As I see my colleagues, you know, scrambling to still try to put together this curriculum that they had maybe four days to, to, to prepare as best as they could before our kids left the school sites, um, what we are doing is what we've always done, Dr. Perkins, as teachers, as educators, as, as uh, people who have felt the weight of the responsibility because schools have always carried this weight to try to solve mm-hmm. all the problems. And now on top of all the problems, we're trying to solve a, pande- uh, a worldwide pandemic. Um, and it mm-hmm. affects on our on our learning and our education. And what are we doing? We're being resourceful. We are looking wistfully the help of many corporations and and resources that have realized that they need to make their resources accessible to educators. We are being creative in how we're using these TED talks, how we're using these online. Uh, books, how we're using these experts in the field, how we're collaborating and supporting each other. And I believe that that's going to, you know, uh, kind of morph itself to this new reality of learning for um, mm-hmm. and, and a resource for our teachers, for our school sites, and, and for our districts. Should it be that way? Absolutely not. I, I absolutely have always believed that that we should be investing in these, um, in the learning for our teachers, our learning for our administrators more than anything else. Um, but we don't know what the future is going to hold, and we don't think mm-hmm. that economically it's going to be mm-hmm. much brighter than it has been for the last 12 years. Um, but I, I do hope that we can find a positive in this and, and all of these wonderful companies that have said, oh, for the next two, two weeks, for the next four weeks, for the next eight weeks, these resources are free to educators. Well, I hope that they realize that they need to be free to educators, not just during the time mm-hmm. of the pandemic, but mm-hmm. they should have always been free <laughs> to mm-hmm. our students, to our teachers. And so I'm hoping that that's where the real shift is going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then hopefully when, when things turn around, um, that demand, that obvious need cannot be ignored um, uh, by our fiscal um, leaders in, in our large districts and in our states, because ultimately it, it is a state responsibility and, and federal responsibility as well. Sure, sure. Well, you know, yeah. I, um, I I think that um, everything you said is right on point. I I, I guess I, I, I do want to circle back to um, just how this is going to impact, um, you know, our our educators in the field, um, uh, having these, you know, and and hopefully it won't be that these resources will be taken away, as you mentioned. Right. Um, but what is it that we um, we need to do to be, to be supportive. I still think 
that. And I know that um, a few of you on the call have attended, you know, workshops and, and are trained in, in social emotional um, uh, implementation uh, in, in school buildings. Uh, but you're, you're the exception. Um, that is not something that has been fully incorporated into the, um, the pre-service of teacher preparation. Um, it is not something that is um, widely practiced in, in, um, in, edu- in leadership preparation either. I mean, the program, the program that I direct, we've been doing it for 15 years, but that's, that's rare. Most programs don't have uh, a social-emotional uh, leadership component. Um, but I think um, that's going to – I think that's when, DeMarco, you talked about equity. Um, mm-hmm. I, have, I have long been a proponent for equity in experiences that children have, that that's the key. Mm-hmm. It's not just about – it's not just about um, equity in, you know, having the same equipment. It is just mm-hmm. – it's about also the fact that you need a space where children – feel valued in the same way, regardless of where they are. You need a place mm-hmm. where children feel uh, respected and comfortable wherever they are. So these are all things that come to mind to me now, uh, not to mention, and, I, and I'll stop here, is that um, there are a lot of children that because of this have been put in harm's way in one form mm-hmm. or another, you know, that they are mm-hmm. home um, and there are a lot of people that are talking about uh, the children need to be home. There are some people, there are some places where um, sc- that school is the safe place for them. It's not um, uh, uh, the, the being in their communities. And so we have to remember that. And so there, I think there's going to be a lot for us to deal with when we get back. I heard one more comment, and um, unfortunately, we're running out of time. It's the fastest 30 minutes you'll ever experience, but got time for one more. <laughs> sure. Um, this is Dave again from Connecticut. I just want to second some of those ideas. Um, I think that we are going to need to be ready to provide a ton of counseling and casework. And that if we're really thinking about this proactively, schools should be readying those resources now. Um, I right. think that we're going to have to be really creative about renewing some of the attendance efforts that we're going to have to make as a school. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of fear surrounding sending our kids to school after this, whatever after is going to mean for some people might not be the same for others. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to double down on what some of those outreach efforts are going to look like. Um, and yeah, and I think that, you know, we've talked about summer learning loss and this is going to be a whole different um, version of learning loss that um, that we're going to have to approach and approach with care and consideration and patience um, and and find ways to creatively include families and students in seeking out those solutions. Thanks for the last word. Oh. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I heard someone. I'll give you a chance if it's real quick. No, I was just, this is Nicole, and just wanted to say in, in relieving some of my anxiety is being able to speak with other people who are not in Connecticut around the collectiveness mm-hmm. of what we're all experiencing. And I think that's one thing administratively would also support because sometimes when you are just in your own bubble, you don't think about what others are experiencing and what I've gathered today. 
Excellent. Good point. Thank you. And thank you so much again to the panel. Just want to thank everyone for being, uh, being available and, and uh, contributing to today's um, show. I'm just going to ask, uh, there's some of you listening uh, that have time to tune in tomorrow. Uh, same time we have uh, uh, going to have a different panel um, of educators also from around the U.S on making the most of our time, um, how we can keep learners engaged during this time. And so 2 o'clock tomorrow, uh, same place. Um, and again, thank you all for listening. Um, we, we, to our educators that are out there, we just want you to know that we, uh, we appreciate everything that you're doing on behalf of uh, families and children out there. So until tomorrow, 2 p.m., go well. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Perkins. Thank you.